Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindley and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindley. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindley at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 45 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and with me, as always, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, man? Not too much. I'm in the same location. Eric's recording from a remote location on, on vacation, so you know, kudos to him for stepping in and recording. We tried to record before he went, but hey, he is on vacation and recording, so... Much dedication from the man himself, <laughs> Eric Cross. Yeah, I'm I'm in a small town uh, just outside of Philadelphia. I'll just say Philadelphia, but it's a small town just outside one of the suburbs. Uh, went to a Phillies Reds game on Sunday. Uh, it was a good pitching matchup, Aaron Nola versus Sonny Gray, but it ended up being a not so good pitching matchup. <laughs> they each gave up like I don't know, like three or four earned over four or five innings. I forget what their final lines were, but. Neither one got a quality start, and the Reds ended up winning seven to four. India had another three hits, including a leadoff bomb. He's just tearing it up lately, but it's been a fun little getaway. But you know, I'm still doing a little bit of baseball work here and there. I've been brought my laptop, my recording equipment, and update my rankings. I'm not even put on the article this week just because I've been writing a little bit here and there while I have some free time. But always fun recording this podcast. So we want to make sure to get it in this week, even if we are a day later than usual. Uh, we got a great episode in store for everybody today. You know, last week we did a lot of dynasty risers and fallers as we, you know, it's past midseason, but still kind of in the heart of the season here. So we're going to do the same thing with prospects, guys that have kind of jumped up or down our rankings over the last month or two. So we haven't done this kind of episode since probably like June or so. We figured it was a good time to do another one. But before we get into that, the usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, and so much more. These perks are available across four different tiers starting at $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. 
And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network, including our other podcasts, SB Streamer and Fantasy Hockey Life. But all right, let's get into this week's episode, Chris. We'll start with some news and notes, as we always do, uh, starting with the Cincinnati Reds, who I just saw less than 24 hours ago. Uh, it was reported today on Monday that Jesse Winker is going to the IL and Jose Barrero was recalled from AAA. And Barrero was having a very good season at AAA, kind of having a resurgence after a down uh, 2020 year, or at least more so when he would, he came up. It was a very lackluster debut when he hit 194 over 67 at-bats with the Reds last year. But in AAA this year, as I mentioned, he was absolutely tearing it up. Uh, as my computer is freezing here with the stat. There we go. In 80 games, swip between AA and AAA, 303 slash, uh, 378-532, with 17 home runs, 15 steals, in 361 plate appearances. Solid walk rate, not striking out too much. So doing basically everything pretty well this year. It's kind of uncertain if he's going to provide much value this year, though. Like, There's no guarantee he's going to play every day. It sounds like it's just going to be as an extra bat, you know, to help out around the infield, we'll see. But, you know, if he does get some regular playing time here, Chris, do you think he could be fantasy relevant here down the stretch? Yeah, I think definitely so. And he's one I was lower on prior to even being called up last year. He was young. I mean, he's still young, 23 years old, but, you know, debuted last year at 22. We know he struggled. I just never saw the skill set as very polarizing for fantasy. I didn't think there was a lot to really offer i never saw him as a top 100 fantasy prospect and you know he's kind of proved me wrong this year he's made some changes and he's been legit i mean you mentioned the stats he's been stellar at triple a i kind of wonder there's been a lot of dominant hitters at triple a so i've just kind of wonder to what extent right i don't know we'll see uh david bell's kind of said that he'll be off the bench for the most part he's going to play yeah. some Short, some second, some third. He's going to kind of just fill in kind of all over the place. So, but if he does perform, it's hard to imagine him not taking a job. You know, I mean, Suarez yeah. has not been good. I and mean, and, Kyle and Farmer's kind of been doing well, but I don't think Kyle Farmer's fitting into the long term plans or anything. No, not at all. And so, <laughs> I, I don't know. I could see him earning some playing time. It's hard to imagine him not earning a spot if he does perform. And, you know, I think he could definitely be solid. You know, that's a great hitter's ballpark there in Cincinnati. And, shoot, I think he's made tangible improvements this year, and hopefully it carries over. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, yeah, he was definitely – there's more power shown this year at AAA. Jesse basically split time this year. It was 40 games at each, 181 plate appearances in AAA to 180 in AA. And the slash runs are pretty similar. He hit 300 in AA – 305 in AAA, but the you know the power was 11 home runs compared to six iso in AAA of 279 compared to 181 so still pretty solid he was on like a 20 25 pace in double a a little bit more power obviously he used like a 40 home run pace in AAA, and i don't think he's that type of guy but i think long term he this could be like a 15 20 type of player best case scenario with a solid average uh, he, he's shown decent enough contact skills doesn't really walk at a high clip. I think this year has been one of the, his better years in terms of a walk rate. He, he's up in the mid 9% range, usually a little bit lower, like 6 7% in the past. So he's, I don't think he's going to be a huge OBP guy, probably a guy that's – I don't know if I see him as a top of the order, like a 1-2 guy. I think he's more of like the guy that's 6-7 in the order or so, which with Cincinnati is not too bad. It's like this pretty good lineup up and down the order when they're all healthy, you know, but 
Uh, Winker going on the IL obviously is not great with an inter- intercostal strain. Uh, he'll be out for at least a few weeks, it sounds like. But yeah, Barrero, solid bat, but I don't see I just don't see it happening this year unless he somehow you know, plays his way into a starting gig. And at that point, maybe deeper deeper leagues, he'll definitely have some value. But for 10, 12 teamers, I think he's kind of just like a wait and see what happens with the playing time type of thing. But that was far from the only notable prospect promotion this week. You know, the only big one to the major league level, but we had plenty more down in the lower levels here of the minor leagues. You know, the four big ones here to triple A this week. Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green for Detroit, Alec Thomas for the Diamondbacks, and Adley Richman earlier in the week to Baltimore, which is great. But at the same time, I was hoping to see him. As a, as you're listening to this on Tuesday, I'm actually going to the Bowie-Reading game tonight to see Grayson Rodriguez. I was hoping to see Adley Richman as well. Obviously, I can't, but it's a very much an earned promotion here. You know, obviously... None of these guys, I think, see the major major league level this year. That's kind of the question. Whenever you see someone from AAA, I get questions on Twitter all the time, as I'm sure you do as well, Chris. Like, hey, ETA, they going to be up this year? I'm like, no, I don't. Detroit's already come out and said that Torque and Green are not going to see trip, uh, major league level this year. And I highly doubt Thomas or Richmond do as well. It makes no sense for any of these organizations to kind of start the clock early when none of these teams are contending. But for 2022... I think we can see – I don't know how Cleet Thomas comes up next year. I think he might be the one that's last to come up out of these four. But Torque, Green, Rushman, all incredibly advanced hitters. Can hit for average, can hit for power. Green can add a little bit of speed as well. He's stealing a lot more bases this year than I ever thought he would. So when do you think we see this trio up? I've kind of been saying May, June for the most part. But I think they all could be pretty solid contributors at the major level as early as, you know, the all-star break next year. What do you think? Yeah, I think they, I don't see any of them coming up like opening day. I think there's going to be a service time deal here with all of them. And you're going to see them play that game, especially with when you look at a high profile prospect like Torque and Riley Green, I don't, the Tigers aren't like rushing to compete. So I don't see them, you know, wasting a year of service time. So I could see them play in that game with them. I think June's probably reasonable for both Torque and Green. Wouldn't be surprised if they came up at similar times, especially if they're, both performing well in AAA. He kind of r- reminds me of last year when they brought up Mizen Scooball for back-to-back starts. Yeah. And uh, that was a lot of fun. So it'd be fun to see both these guys come up together. I think Thomas is probably the last one up. Like you said, Roochman, maybe maybe June or July. Thomas, maybe that same time frame, but I could see him being the last one. So yeah, and I don't see any like instant impact here. I don't see, none of these guys are coming up this year. And I don't really see much early season impact for 2022 either. Yeah, definitely mid season, but I think these are all guys that could have a, have a chance to have an impact right away. Once they are up, I know we've kind of been going through the year of the prospect where not many of them are performing well out of the gate with the, with a few exceptions, but for the most part, we've seen guys like obviously Kalanick and wander kind of struggle out of the gates with flashes of brilliance, obviously, but these are, like I said, three advanced hitters, all can hit for average and power, control the strike zone well. Like, I think each one, each of these three, Torque, Green, and Richmond, have a chance to hit 270 plus with 20 plus home runs. And even, you know, that might be on the low end. Like, they, they could all hit 280, 290 with 30 home runs, I think. And then I think Green, he was a guy that I kind of had penciled in as like a, you know, maybe a five to 10 steel guy, but you know, he is showing, like I said, a lot more speed this year. 
I still don't think he's going to be like a 25-25 guy. Like I've seen some people throw that around, but this year in Double A, he had 16 home runs and 12 steals in 84 games. So I think he could be maybe bump that up a little bit to like maybe a mid-teens guy. You know, 25 homer type bat, 15 or so steals. Um, just adding a little more value to the overall already pretty good all-around profile. But uh, moving down a little bit here, we had three intriguing pitcher promotions this week. Two to double A. Those were both in Seattle, Emerson Hancock and George Kirby, who are both in my top five pitching prospects. And then the kind of the bigger, buzzier one, actually, even though he's lower down on the rankings, Yuri Perez just got the bump yesterday to high A. And he was absolutely dominating low A as a 18 year old who was 18. It's not like he's like an old 18, right? Like, this is a, a kid that turned 18 right before the season started. I believe in mid-March, I think was his 18th. Oh, uh, no, mid-April. He yeah. turned 18, so like two, three weeks before the season started. And in 15 starts, 56 innings, 161 ERA, and a 0.95 whip, high K rate, walk rate, you know, in the 10% range. But, you know, that's I'm not overly worried there for a young pitcher. That's just slightly below 10% at 9 0.5%. But at the same time, like I mentioned, high K rate, struck out 82 batters in 56 innings for a 37.3% strikeout rate. So really, really impressive. He's 6'8". Like this guy is an absolute giant, a little bit skinny, obviously, but I think once he fills up that frame, this could be a upper 90s, mid to upper 90s fastball guy. He's shown a good curveball, shown a feel for a changeup that's still developing, but He's in Miami, so you got to feel confident that that changeup comes along. How excited! I know you don't have him quite as high. So I think I bumped him pretty high in my rankings. He's top 100 for me now, so I'm buying into everything I've seen from Perez. What are your thoughts, Chris, on Yuri Perez, and how high do you have him in your rankings? Yeah, he's going to continue to move up. I mean, he's been stellar. You can't really argue with what he's done. He gets for, for his age. I think that's the most impressive thing is that he's so young. He's he was one of the youngest in low A, and then obviously dominated and now he's definitely the youngest in high age so man he's been just so impressive and i don't know i think that he could easily bump to be a top 50 prospect and potentially even higher like i wouldn't be surprised if he did move higher than that like yeah does he have the upside to be one of the, the best pitching prospects in baseball potentially like i i know it's a small sample of what we've seen but dang i mean you can't argue with the results and you look at his spin rates, they're they're stellar. He's got good velocity. You mentioned if that changeup develops, then shoot, I think, you know, he's in for a heck of a move up because the fastball right. and curve are a really good combo. That changeup's kind of the, the hinge there. So if he keeps developing that, I think that'll take him a long way. And I think he could really blossom. And he's very exciting, great organization to develop pitchers, which is even better for him. And so I think we're in for a fun ride with, with Yuri Perez. Just another gem in that Marlins system when it comes to pitching prospects. Like, how many do they need? Like, and he's probably like what ninth or tenth on the depth chart. Like, in terms of like you know the pitching talent, they obviously have Max Meyer, Edward Cabrera, Sixto, all the guys at the major league level. They added a Jesus Lazardo into that, Pablo Lopez. The list goes on and on. So, it's an embarrassment of riches here. And I think we mentioned that the changeup is behind. 
the fastball curveball, but at the same time, he's shown at least a feel for a changeup. So that's that's a good place to start. It doesn't like he just doesn't have one. Like he has a changeup. Maybe it's not a great one right now, but maybe he's shown a feel for it. He, like I said, still 18 in a great org for pitching development in general. And then you've seen what they've done with changeups, especially. So it makes me feel better than if he was in like, I don't know, insert in another org. Uh, I don't know, the Red Sox. <laughs> I'll use my own Red Sox here. Like Miami is like one of the top notch orgs. So definitely feel very confident with what I've seen from him so far. And it's been an absolute beaut of a time to watch him in low A. So we'll, we'll be really interested to see how he does in high A against more advanced competition. So that'll be very interesting. But Let's get on here to our prospect risers and fallers. Let's start with the fallers. I think we did the same thing last week. We went fallers first, and we'll hit risers later on in the show. So we get a lot more risers than fallers. So we'll get these fallers out of the way. We, we have three hitters and three pitchers here on our sheet that are falling down our rankings. So we'll start with the hitters. Jeter Downs, Robert Poisson, Ed Howard. Out of these three, Chris, which one are you most worried about long-term? Um, you know, probably Poisson just because of, and you know, it's tough for me to say that because he's young, he's still developing and yeah, he's had some struggles, but he's also shown some positives, but you know, overall he's still extremely young for the level, obviously extremely young in general. He, he'll turn 19 soon, but again, I mean, think about all these guys who are signed in his international class that aren't over here playing you know, full season ball. And the A's did that. They started him in full season ball here. So it showed a lot of confidence and yeah, the strikeouts have been terrible. I mean, not good at all. And so he's still hitting just two sixteen, three home runs, three steals. He's kind of been just meh. And you look at the strikeout rate and it should just scare you to death when you see 42.6%. Is that right? That's nuts. Yeah, it's extremely unfor- high. Unfortunately, that is right. <laughs> yeah. Like I, you see that number, it's like holy cow! Like, are we sure that's right? But yeah, and the walk rate has just been okay. It's not been you know great by any means, but you know, I think there's still plenty of time. And yeah, it's easy for us to list him as a faller because that's what he is. Like we have to be reactionary to these things, and we're looking at a 76 game sample at this point, and he's not been good. I think there's some things he needs to work out, and I, I think that he's capable of doing that, and I think there's still plenty of upside, but I just have to wonder like, if we overrated him you know, coming out of that international class, and now we're seeing you know, we kind of did that a little bit. So yeah, I think it's easy to be most worried about him, but again, at the same time, with how young he is, he could easily turn it around and be fine. Yeah, I, I think we did probably overrate him, but at the same time, I think we do that a lot with these yeah. guys. Like, especially like you know, every year, every international class, you have like, you just have a handful of guys at the top where it's like, like last year, Wilman, you had Wilman Diaz, Christian Hernandez, Carlos Colmenares, guys like that, that this, we, we, attempt, we seem to elevate those elite guys. Cause we see like, Oh, look at the, the raw tools and the projection and all this and that, all those buzzy words everyone loves to hear. But we t- seem to forget sometimes that they're only 16, 17 years old. And, like plus on barely 18, one of the youngest players at full season ball in the minor leagues right now, or most other guys that, you know, are his age are still at the complex level. So yeah, he's definitely moved down because I am concerned with the, you know, swing and miss ways that he has right now. But at the same time, there's plenty of time for that to be cleaned up. 
but he's in Oakland, and you this is seemed like it's been coming a trend. Like you see a lot of bad approaches with Oakland. Like we start with like Austin Beck, uh, Lazaro Armenteros is like a lot of bad K rates in this org. So I, I don't know how confident I am in this org and kind of maximizing his potential. We'll see, but obviously the skill set is still there. But you know, one I'm kind of getting concerned with here because you know we talked about I forget where I talked about him. I think it was on a different pod a few weeks back. Jeter Downs from my Red Sox, who was I think we both had him. Where did you have him like coming into the season, Chris? I think I had him low twenties, pushing top twenty overall. Did you have him that high as well? Yeah, he was he was like eighteenth. He was in yeah. top twenty. Yeah, so like around 20, give or take. And I think we weren't the only ones in the industry to do that. I think he was pretty high, at least like top 30, top 40 in basically any ranking system you saw. But he just keeps kind of sliding and he's been getting worse and worse. I looked like two weeks ago when I was talking with him on a different podcast and he was hitting like 198 at the time, which obviously is already terrible. Now he's down to 181 in the hitter-friendly triple a environment yeah it's the east it's not the you know quote-unquote pacific coast league the west i guess now triple a west but 181 270 305 slash 32.3 percent strikeout rate he's still walking a hair under 10 percent of the time which is good he's always been a guy that's walked at a pretty solid clip he's over 10 percent for his minor league career but the k rate going up is very concerning. He was never a big K rate guy before this year. It was always kind of like hovering around 20%. The power speed is still kind of there, but it's been really slowed down as the seasons progress. Like a lot of these, a lot of the power speed he's shown, I think was kind of in the first couple months of the season when he was struggling, but not to this extent. But then again, I still look at that power speed. I still think he's a potential 2020 guy. Put him in Fenway in that Red Sox lineup. So there's still a lot to like here, but you know, how concerned are you about what you've seen from Jeter down so far this year? Well, the most concerning thing is just how lost he looks at the plate. Like aside from the numbers, like the numbers are, are bad, but he just looks lost. Like he has yeah. no clue what's going on. And I think that's definitely a cause for concern. And the reason that I, I always ranked him so high was because, you know, the, the up for one, the floor was really high. Like, in my opinion, Downs isn't like a lead upside, and he never really has been. But there's always been that 2020 potential. He's always had a solid approach. He's most likely going to end up at second base. So, like, 2020, like, 270 at second base, like, that's pretty stellar for fantasy purposes. And for that reason, like, I've always been high on him. I've been high on him for years. And now we're just seeing, like, man, he just looks incredibly lost at the plate. And, you know, it's hard to really explain like why other than the fact that he's just not performing. Yeah. That's easy to say. And you mentioned like a lot of his counting stats were early on and you just have to wonder like since, so like I'm looking since July, since July 1st and not home runs, but even still like, no, that's wrong. He has, he had nine home runs on the season, two home runs since July 1st. 104 average like jeez it's 104 since july i mean that makes sense like to go from 198 down to 10 or 181 you gotta be really bad to drop that average that much so yeah 104 that's ridiculous yeah 104 since july 1st my that's word brutal. that is bad like i said i i still think there's some solid skills there obviously so i'm not like totally writing him off 
he's still very much inside my top 100. I think I have him at right around 60 now, but definitely concerned with what I've seen. Like you mentioned, and, I, and I've watched some, you know, Worcester games being, you know, obviously they're a triple A affiliate for my Red Sox. So, you know, I watch their games when I can. And yeah, it's just anytime I watch, it's like he's doing nothing, <laughs> especially obviously even more so lately. Maybe a good buy low. If people are kind of like really panicking about him, you could probably sneak in with a solid offer, but don't, you know, pay it too much to get him right now because there's definitely some concern there. And then the last hitter here, another one that has a pretty similar slash line, actually, Ed Howard, had, you know, one of the top 2020 draftees. A lot of people had him, you know, top 20 in FYPD. I think he's one that I had like 16th or 17th, maybe even a little higher. I, I, I warmed up to him a little more. So maybe I put him at like 13th, 14th in FYPD. Uh, some had him even higher. I know it's a lot of people around the industry that are very high on Ed Howard. But he is off to a an, an atrocious start. First 54 games in low A, Myrtle Beach, 186, 240, 252 slash line, 13 walks to 73 strikeouts. That is not good. That's just 30. Oh, yeah, 30, exactly the same as, as Jeter Downs. 32.3% strikeout rate with probably half the walk rate. Are you, you know, where's your where's your concern level at here on Ed Howard? Are you just kind of like, all right, he's he's 19 years old, first taste of pro ball, he just needs some time to get settled in, or do you think that maybe you know we kind of overvalued him as well coming out of last year's draft? Yeah, and so I was a little lower on him coming into the draft. I he was a field like first type guy, glove first, an elite glove at that, and a lot of people thought the tools could develop with him. And there's still a chance they they can. I mean, you look at Howard, he's he is 19. He's you know got a good frame, 6'2, 185, plenty of room to grow into strength here. Hit tool, you know, you kind of wonder like they many thought that that would be kind of the calling card for his bat over like the speed and the power. I think right. I think I ranked him 24th among the first year players last year, if I'm not mistaken, which you know, you look back and that seems a little high even even now but and we the two guys we've talked about with Hawson and Howard Howard's almost a year older than Hawson and they're both playing at the same level and so you look at that and you kind of have to factor that in still and you know, Howard just hasn't been great that's not to say that he won't be great but we've seen minimal power the hit tool is kind of meh you know at least five stolen bases like that's semi encouraging but again, like it's kind of you take those with a grain of salt in low A because look at you know look at Zach Bean. Yeah, he's a tough one to kind of evaluate right now, and with you know what he might be. So yeah, I don't know. He he's a tough one. I don't I don't want to drop him too far, but I think we do have to be weary. Like if the bat doesn't develop, he ends up like a field first type guy and just like a ten ten type player. Like how valuable is that for fantasy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I still think that. Ed Howard can be a good all-run player. I think the bat will, you know, it'll be fine. Maybe we not as fine as we had hoped, but I, I think he can still be a solid all-run player. Maybe you know, fifteen to eighteen home runs, maybe even twenty home runs. Still, you know, adding in a little bit of speed as well. So I still think there's some some good upside here. So maybe that creates a little bit of a buy low, but it does look like we may, we might have overrated him a bit, or at least I did. I know I had him ranked a good eight to ten spots higher than you did. Or at least at least five to six spots. So definitely some concern here. But you know, at the same time, I do think that he's going to turn it around at least to some degree. So 
take that for what it's worth. But let's move on here to the pitchers and start with another one from the 2020 draft class that I think I saw some people rank as high as number three overall in the class. I mean, he was the number four overall pick in the 2020 draft by the Kansas City Royals. And that's Asa Lacey, who is, you know, he hasn't been terrible, but he's been very, very worrisome, especially with his command and control so far in 52 innings in high A quad cities. He's walked 41 batters. That is a 17.3% walk rate. That is not going to get done. Like we always kind of talk about that 10% level. You know, you can live with 10, 10 to 11% if the stuff is really good. Case in point, Freddie Peralta and Coburn Burns before this year. But Lacey, 17, you can't live with 17.3% regardless of how good your stuff is. And, you know, Lacey came into the draft with a very good, you know, mix of pitches, you know, fast mid 90s to upper 90s fastball from the left side, that good slider, you know, solid changeup as well. So everyone kind of thought, like, oh, he's probably, he could be the best pitcher of the, of the class. It was like him, Hancock, and Meyer. The other two have performed pretty well so far. Lacey's gone in the wrong direction here. He's fallen all the way into the, uh, where is he in my rankings here? 70s or 80s overall. I still have him top 100. But that command and control profile is very concerning for me. Actually, I have 86 at the moment. So, yeah. Where, where do you have him, Chris? How concerned are you with Asa Lacey that that command and control profile is just going to limit his effectiveness as a starter or even maybe push him to the bullpen? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it could, but the upside is still tremendous. Yeah. Um, I may still be a little high on him. I've got him at 65, like in just looking at that, that makes, that feels high. That, that's, still I, good, I do, that's still a good drop off though. Like where'd you probably have him like thirties yeah. or something? Yeah. After he was the, in the 40, 40 to 50 okay. range. So yeah, I mean, it's tough, but I don't know. He hasn't shown any command and the walk rate has been terrible. Yeah. The swinging strike rate of 19% is stellar and the strikeout yeah. rate 33.3% is fantastic. Like, those are numbers you love to see, but the rest of the profile just hasn't been there. He hasn't looked like he has it, you know, and from a, a pure upside standpoint, like Lacey, arguably still a top, you know, five to seven pitcher pitching prospect in baseball. Like he, he's that good. So I guess the question is, will he overcome the command issues? Because he's got the the stuff for it, but the command just hasn't been there. So we're going to see that come around and hopefully it does, but I don't know. I mean, he he's tough. He's a tough one to kind of value. Yeah, so he he's dropped eighty six in my rankings. Like he's you know right around he, another one. He's right around is Matt Manning, who is another follower here, who did not look good at AAA and has been kind of you know lackluster at the major league level. He's had a good start here and there, but for the most part, six ten ERA, one fifty two WHIP forgot how to strike out people apparently like strikeout rate is he struck out 25 batters in 48 and two thirds innings at the major league level that's in 218 batters he's faced do the math 11.5 percent strikeout rate not walk rate strikeout rate for matt manning who was always like a high 20s low 30s percent strikeout rate guy for basically his entire career in the minor leagues so I don't know who who you if you could pick one right now. Are you still taking Lacey over Manning? I guess I should. 
because of my rankings. Like I've got Manning outside the top 100, but I think it's pretty close. Uh, I mean, you give the edge to Manning from the standpoint of, you know, he's up at least. Right. He's, he's yeah. giving well, you something at least. Yeah, not much, he's not but. giving you much, but he is <laughs> contributing. I think yeah, that, are you concerned about that strikeout rate though? Because like, oh, yeah. is is like he still got the good curveball, but it's not missing bats. The whiff rate isn't great. It's kind of like a middle of the road whiff rate right now on that curveball. The fastball has been kind of meh. Like I kind of I think I mentioned this to I want to say it was Welsh. He kind of reminds me of like overall like a Chris Paddock. You know, decent fastball that kind of can be inconsistent at times. One really good secondary, obviously for Manning, it's his curveball. For Paddock, it's the changeup. But then the second secondary offering is the one where it's like, where is it? Is it ever going to be there? And with Manning, he was showing strides with it. It's kind of fallen off. But I think there's a long way to go before Manning is a, a guy that's not going to be completely maddening for fantasy people. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point. Like you mentioned, the whiff rates are you know, pretty middling on all those pitches at that. You know, nothing really stands out here. And gotten hit pretty hard, so yeah, he's he's tough, and the fastball especially you know, hasn't hasn't been great. And there's nothing in his stat cast profile that suggests there's any promise. You know, the, yeah. the only <laughs> thing he's really got going for him is is the walk rate is is pretty solid. But yeah. when you're only striking out, you know, eleven and a half percent of guys, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, he's pro- he's definitely control over command right now. Like he, this, the pitch location has not been there. He's not missing bats, so. I have my concern. I've had him fall. I still have him back end top 100, a few spots below Lacey's in the upper 80s right now, but I am not nearly as high as I was on him before the season, which is, it sucks. Like all the top guys this year have been kind of falling off. Like Lacey was one of the top guys falling off. Obviously, Mackenzie Gore. Like the Padres just signed Jake Arrieta. And I saw a tweet from Matt Thompson from Prospects Live, and he was said something to the degree of like, if this isn't, you know, raise concern with how they think about Mackenzie Gore, then I don't know what will. I I, I butchered the wording, but it's just something like that. Like, yeah, Gore is kind of falling off. Um, a lot of guys, top guys, have fallen off this year. It's been kind of a weird year for pitching prospects. And the last one here, I'll let Chris take the floor on this one because y'all know me. I've ranted time and time again about this guy and how I thought he was overrated. And now this year, with a six ten ERA, oh, that's in the major, excuse me, and Triple A. 807 ERA in seven starts. I'm still, hold on. I'm still on Matt Manning. Excuse me. Let's go over to Davey Garcia here, who I'm talking about right now. Triple A 708 ERA, 182 whip. And he's had 51 walks in 68 and two thirds innings for a 15.5% walk rate. And his two starts in the, with the Yankees, he was just as bad. He is almost, he might be outside of my top 400 next update so chris as a someone that maybe isn't as biased as me in this conversation mm-hmm. where are you at on davy do you still see any value here i think it's minimal maybe some name value if someone still thinks that he can be a high-end arm and well, i don't really see that find I mean, a yankee fan in your there's always a yankee fan in every league find yeah. that yankee fan <laughs> yeah that's fair i mean he, he's got some he's got stuff like he's got good stuff I think the question mark was, you know, always whether he was a bullpen arm or not. And I've always leaned that he was a bullpen arm. And, you know, being a little smaller, he listed at 5'9", 163. So he's a little smaller. Like, I know, you know, some people are shifting their viewpoint to saying, like, 
they want those smaller guys now, get some more like ride on the fastball. But, you know, it's not working with Davey. And I think we saw that even last year, even in 2019, we saw that. We saw struggles in AAA in 2019. You know, he came up last year, was not good in the majors, not good this year in AAA. It's just been kind of constantly bad. And, you know, one of the biggest struggles has always been the walk rate when you go back to that. And, yeah, it hasn't been as bad as we've seen this year in AAA at 15%, but still 11% or higher, you know, in every every place since 2018. So every stop since yep. 2018, 11% or higher, which is definitely concerning. And uh, I think it's easy to say the command control is like below average at this point. And he doesn't really have the strikeout stuff. We haven't seen that in some time since double A in 2019. And, you know, that's going on over two years at this point. And we haven't seen, you know, solid Davey Garcia. So, yeah, I mean, you can point to different things like, you know, but at the end of the day, I just don't think it's there. I don't, think he's a high-end starter. I don't even see him really being a, you know, any kind of value, like you said. I think it's easy to see him dropping a significant portion. Like, he's he's outside my top 250. Uh, if you can get something for him because he's Yankee, I would do it. Yep, totally agree. Like, And even the K-rate, which had been there like in previous years, like, look back to 2019, uh, when, he, when he pitched at three different levels, high A, double A, and triple A, now, even though he was starting to show some of those signs, like you mentioned, he still had a 34% strike rate, which is very, very good. Anytime you rub that 30% mark, that's a very good mark. But this year, that has even dropped down to 22.7%. So he, he has a K minus walk rate of around like seven, seven and a half percent right now. That is not good at all. So yeah, I just don't see it happening. And yeah, the, the lower size, I think. There's a difference though, like between like lower height and lower release point. I've seen some you know bigger guys get that lower release point, which gives it that nice fastball ride. And but Garcia, this doesn't have the command of his fastball to kind of maximize that lower release height. And how many of these lo- smaller guys have we seen like have prolonged success? That's something I've been kind of saying about Davey for a while. Like, yeah, Tim Lincecum had it for you know a few years, but he was obviously a much better pitcher. And even he, like his window of being very good was a very short window and he kind of fell off the cliff and was almost you know basically went away after a few years so yeah just don't like davy garcia at all um but yeah like i I echo what chris said if you can get anything for him just because of his name the organization he's in he's a yankee do it because i i don't see this ship getting right maybe he's not this bad going forward but i don't see any sort of fantasy value here. So I think he's a bullpen arm and not one that pitches in like high leverage situations. So definitely a guy you can sell if you can at this point, but who knows if you can, let's go ahead and hit a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side and get into our risers. So don't go anywhere. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. 
All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into our risers here, Chris, and we have a lot more names here. Kind of hard. Let's start with some of the hitters here. Uh, let's go to infielders. There's a lot of infielders here. Let me, just, let me just list off the names here that we have on our list, and then we can kind of pick and choose who we want to talk about. We have Anthony Volpe, obviously one of the bigger breakout names this year. For the Yankees, Ezekiel Tovar from the Rockies, Jose Miranda from the Twins, Curtis Mead from the Tampa Bay Rays, Blaze Jordan from my Red Sox, Reginald Preciado from the Cubs, John Kenzie Noel from the Indians, excuse me, the Guardians. That's still, that's going to be hard to switch over. Uh, MJ Melendez from the Royals, and Josh Young from the Texas Rangers here. Chris, go ahead, pick, you have the pick of the litter here. Who do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's go with Ezekiel Tovar. He's one that I think is, you know, fully legit. Uh, just watching him, you know, I love his swing. He gets nice loft on it. It generates natural power. And, you know, you look at how solid he's been and you, know, you can't argue the results. And yeah, you can say, well, when he got promoted to high, a struggled a little bit. Yeah. 42 plate appearances. I'll take the sample of 326 plate appearances in low A and think that, you know, he can adjust with time. Yeah, and so in low A, 326 plate appearances, 11 home runs, 21 stolen bases, 309 average, 346 OBP. So the the walk rate is slightly concerning because it's lower. But in the past, you know, we've seen him be a higher walk rate guy, but just 4.3%. He actually has not walked in high, which has me concerned, but he doesn't strike out either. So he's got just an 11.8% strikeout rate on the entire season. So that's been extremely solid. He's putting the ball in play consistently. One of the question marks maybe is he's hitting the ball on the ground a little too much. He's been doing that more in high A. He wasn't as bad. Only 36% low A, but 61% in high A. Again, small sample. Getting the ball in the air a lot more in low A, causing some home runs. His home run per fly ball was just 9.6%, so it's not like he was you know, stealing home runs or anything by getting some good home run to fly ball luck. And overall, I think the profile is pretty intriguing for fantasy. You know, he's one that the power really developed and a lot of people didn't really see it. Like he was kind of great as lower power in the past and, you know, came out this year and been impressive. And that's one of those things that we've seen in 2020. A lot of things changed with people. And you got to think back, Tovar debuted in rookie ball at 16 years old, 16 years old. And now just turned 20, just turned 20 earlier this month. So he was playing at 19 in low A and performing well. And so I genuinely think that Tovar is legit. I think he's a top 100 prospect. I think he just has a chance to move up if the power continues to show that it's legit. Yeah, he's one that's flown up my rankings a ton. I have him right in the top 100 range. I think just a hair outside of it, but uh, he, he keeps showing what he's showing. Yeah, 107. Uh, but that's up a good 50 spots for my last update. And like I said, he keeps... Uh, if he starts showing at high A what he was showing at low A, he's going to fly up a ton more like top 50 territory because he's got the skills to really be a top 50 prospect offensively. Like you mentioned, there's a there's good contact, even though the walk rate isn't really the best right now. That can come in time like when he when matures as a hitter, but he's at least showing above average contact skills, some solid pop, good speed. It's kind of like a bit of everything across the board. But you know there's someone right now, there's at least one person listening to this show right now. Like, oh, can't wait till the Rockies screw him up or hold him back till 2028. You know, don't worry about that right now. Like, People keep saying that, but when I, when I gush about Zach Veen, anybody I talk about in the Rocky system, 
don't shy away from Rockies prospects altogether because when they're talented like this, like Tovar, you, you kind of got to go after these guys, and he's on, firmly on the rise. First thing I want to get into here, who I'm currently writing about, and this might be out by the time you listen to it. If not, it'll be out tomorrow on Fantrax HQ. Reginald Preciado. First off, love the name. It sounds very fancy. Like you find this him at a country club or something, sipping Chardonnay or something like that. Uh, but Reginald Preciado came over from the Padres in the U Darvish deal last year, and that was a very that was a very sneaky good return. I think Cubs fans at the time were really underwhelmed because a lot of the guys they got back were like lower level guys, but a lot of upside, a lot of talent, a lot of good raw tools in that return package. And I think Preciado has a chance to be the best one of the bunch. You know, he split time between third base and shortstop this year. Long term, I think he ends up at third base, probably if I had the bet, because the fact that he's already splitting time between the two spots, he's currently 6'4", 185, and he just turned 18 back. But actually, as we're recording this, three months ago to the day on May 16th. So he's barely 18 years old, already 6'4", 185. You got to figure he fills out more. Maybe grows a few inches. This could be like a 6'6", 2'10", type of guy in the next couple of years. You know, we'll see. It's always hard to predict how the frames will, will fill out. But this is a guy that has shown just above average tools, especially across the board, even running. Like Right now, I say he's an above average runner. Yeah, in time, I think that'll drop down to about average as he fills out. That's always the trade-off for the most part. Uh, when you when you bulk up, you lose a little bit, little bit of speed. But... Even then, like I think this, the foot speed he's shown, the athleticism he's shown, I think he'll still move well enough to be an average runner and he'd be added, you know, ten steals a year. But this bat could be really special, whether it's at short or third. Um, you know, it's still early, but showing above average contact skills can really, really impact the ball well. Only has two home runs so far, but he has eight doubles in twenty six games, three seventy four twenty five thirty seven slash. I think this could be a guy that's a fifty five hit. 60 or better power. Like I think he's could be a guy that flirts with 70 power for raw. I'd really make this possible uh, if that frame fills out. So it's like a really, really good, probably third baseman, like I mentioned. So this is a guy I already bumped him up into my top 100 and he keeps showing this, this he's going to be top 50, maybe even higher. My next update, like Reggie Reginald Preciado is a dude and someone to t- definitely target now. Uh, another one here, transition to another corner infielder that's really showing well from my Red Sox, Blaze Jordan. And I had my concerns with Blaze Jordan, as I'm sure a lot of people have. Like the power, nobody has questioned the power. It's prestigious. He was, you know, on the cover of Sports Ultra to hitting 500 foot home runs when he was 16. It was like, oh, he's a second coming of Bryce Harper. But, you know, he was kind of a bit of a project when the Sox drafted them. I didn't like the pick at the time. So I, th- I just thought, okay, great. We saved money to get Blaze Jordan, a project. So had my skepticism at the time, but he has proven me wrong so far. Granted, small sample size, but 19 home runs. Uh, should be 19 games. He has four home runs, 362, 408, 667 slash, only 13 strikeouts and 76 plate appearances. Walked six times, has seven doubles as well. So if that, it's got kind of like similar profile to Jordan Walker, where it's like power first, and then there's looks like there's some improvements with the hit tool and the approach. Don't have him ranked as high as Jordan Walker, but you know this is a guy that could be top 100 before too long if he goes. He got promoted to to uh, low A uh, recently. If that you know he hasn't played there yet, but once he does, and if he keeps showing the same improvements he showed at the complex level, 
he's gonna keep shooting up just because that name value will definitely help that value go way way up so very impressed with blaze jordan so far what, what are you what are your thoughts he's one that very excited about i think he's He's done more than enough to sh- to at least quiet some of the skepticism for now, and it could come back. Like there's always a possibility that you know the hit tool does struggle, but if hit tool is legit, and he continues to show this. And man, he's gonna be very exciting. He should shoot up prospect boards. Like he could be a top fifty prospect pretty easily, and maybe even higher, because you know that was the question. Like would he hit enough? And I, he's showing that yeah, he's more than capable. So very exciting. I'm excited about him for sure. And Preciado again, I told. I told Cubs fans to not stress about that return. I thought it was good. These guys were young and yep. uncertain, but you know, Preciado was one that I was always higher on. And here he goes. Like I'm excited about him. I don't think I've gotten as aggressive as you have, but uh, I'm definitely. I think he's top 100. Could go a lot higher, and he's got that upside for sure, which is very exciting. I'm gonna go and hit on Curtis Mead, and I think that's one a prospect that's not talked about as much. And he's he's in the Tampa Bay organization for one, which you know. Doesn't help him, one being kind of overshadowed by Wander and Vidal Brujan, and just the way they handle their players in general. He plays all over the board. Like, who knows, you know, where he fits long term. He's played second, short, third. He's capable of kind of playing all over the diamond, which, which is really nice and gives them flexibility in the Rays like that too. Uh, and so far this year, between high A and low A, slash line of 324, 378, 527. Just 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases. So, you know, the power speed's not like, you know, out the wazoo or anything, but it's still extremely solid profile for 352 plate appearances. You know, really like what I see with the contact skills. He's added loft to swing and added power. And I think that was a question mark maybe of how much power he would actually develop. But I think that's coming around. And I think there's, you know, at least average, if not above average game power. I think the speed's solid as well. Like he's kind of an efficient base stealer. And I think he's capable of, of you know, he's not the fastest runner. I think he's capable of stealing bags. He doesn't get caught that often. So I could see him being a 10 still guy at the big league level, potentially develop into like, you know, 17 type home run. And if the hit tool's there, then shoot, that's a, a pretty solid profile. So means one that I think is kind of underrated that I like a lot. So he's one that I'm kind of buying in on and that I've continually moved up a little bit. Yeah, me too. And that, these are the types of guys I mentioned it before, like, it's a sneaky good strategy in your dynasty leagues to get these kind of pop-up guys that might be in these bigger organizations that get over overshadowed. Like Josh Lowe was overshadowed for a while. And now look, he's a guy that I have like, I think around top 30 overall because he was just so undervalued for such a long time. But look at, just look at these guys and go out and get them because you can usually get them for a pretty reasonable price tag just because like I said, they get don't get the love that they probably should. Like Curtis Mead would be so much more talked about if he was in, I don't know, the Angels or the Royals or Pittsburgh or any other, you know, even though those are all pretty decent orgs, actually. But just because he's in Tampa Bay, overshadowed by the big names that are always there in that org, he's been very undervalued for a while. Chris, if you had to pick one of these three long term, who would you take? Curtis Mead, Yonkenzie Noel, or Jose Miranda? Long term, who's the best? Um, I actually think it's Jose Miranda. And I think everything that he's done is legit. And yeah, the other guys are younger and doing it, you know, but Miranda just turned 23. He's dominated 
consistently. I mean, people wondered if he'd tail off after he hit triple A and he hasn't nope. at all. <laughs> I mean, he's been even Not better at triple A and you, you can't argue. I mean, dude's got massive power. The hit tool is legit. And, you know, we talked about grabbing these pop-up guys. I really regret not picking him up more places because I think he's got, I'm not going to say star potential, but, and he can be really, really good. And you look at what he's done this year, 300, oh, sorry, 411 played appearances. He's got a 346 batting average, 409 OBP and 602 slug. 24 home runs. Yeah, four steals, you know, whatever. He's not going to steal a ton of bags, but the power hit seems to be there. Like, very, very impressive there. And you mentioned he hasn't slowed down a bit. I'm curious to see if he gets a call this year and what he can do because I really like the profile. I think he could slide on in at the big league level and continue to hit. And they have to remember, he was a second-round pick back in 2016, so he had the pedigree, has plenty of talent, and I think we're finally seeing it all come together. Yeah, Miranda, I think I was with a lot of people just like waiting for him to slow down, but he just hasn't. And I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a shot because he, he can play a couple of different positions. Surprising that he hasn't gotten a shot yet up in Minnesota, but you got to think he gets that cup of coffee before the end of the season and, and maybe is a regular in their lineup next year. We'll see how, what they do in the offseason, but I think there's a chance you come into the you know 2022 and you see Miranda starting you know second or third or wherever it may be. Uh, definitely has a chance to, and he's just a, a very good hitter. He like, doesn't add much speed wise, but he could be the guy that just hits for a good average, some good pop. Like a, you know, first guy that comes, comes to mind is like Ryan McMahon, you know, like a 270, 280 guy, 20 home runs or so. Nobody, you're going to be like building your team around, but at the same time, just a very solid year in, year out fantasy player. But the last one here I, I want to get to, you know, that I think could be, it looks like a fantasy star in the making this year. Another guy that has not slowed down after a call up. To the, not to triple A, but this one went from low A to high A. That's Anthony Volpe. You look at, he's played 81 games so far 54 in low A, 27 in high A. So 81 games. I know that's not, you know, half of, of a minor league season, but it's half of 162. And 19 home runs, 27 steals. That's 38 54 pace. That's just ridiculous. You know, and he's hit, hit 308 in high A to 302 in low A. You know, the, approach has not been quite as elite as it was like he walked more than he struck out down in low a 51 to 43 that's now 13 to 31 respectively but still still walking around 10 percent of the time k rate is still a tick below 25 percent. so still a pretty solid approach hitting for power hitting for speed you know coming in you know in kind of lower levels a couple of years ago after he got drafted uh, which was 30th overall in 20, 2019 he was like good hit tool good speed kind of yeah let's see how the power comes along and the power is definitely coming along you know i think he's gonna be a you know close to 18 20 homer bat 20 25 like plenty of steals as well good average good obp like this could be an absolute fantasy stud i know it's still be so ways off he's 20 years old and high a but i'm liking everything i'm seeing right now and i bumped him up inside my, my top 50 and this guy could be top 25 by my next update. Like I've seen others already put him top 25. I believe James Anderson has already put him top 25 and I might not be too far behind James. So do you, where, where are you out on Volpe? You, are you that high as well? Do you see fantasy star here? Cause I do. Yeah, I think he's definitely got that potential for sure. And again, we keep going back to this over and over. All these risers are guys that may 
you know, significant improvements last year or between at least 2019 and 2021 that we just didn't necessarily get to see. And yeah, I haven't been, I'm not as aggressive on him yet. I've got him at 86, like, but I had him up from 249, like to begin the year. So, you know, I try not to make like these crazy jumps, but he's, it's hard to argue with what he's done when he's been that good. So I think there's definitely an argument for top 50 and even higher because even when he moved up a level, he still continued to perform. Yeah. I mean, not as elite, but pretty dang good still. I mean, you look at the numbers and you can't deny what he's done. So yeah, he's one that I think can continue to rise. And again, we have to remember he was a first round pick 2019. So he's still young and looks like he's developing right on cue. Yep. Absolutely. I said, I'm all in on him. I think he's going to be, if this continues, he's going to be top 25. My next update, I can't hold him on any longer. So there, I balanced my my Davy Garcia, not hate. I hate to use the word hate, but Davy Garcia dislike with my Volp love. So that kind of equaled out for the Yankee fans out there. Uh, let's move on to a couple outfielders here before we get into the pitchers. And one that I really wanted to talk about that I, and he's another guy I'm writing about right now. So many good up and coming prospects in that Cubs org. Another one they got from the San Diego Padres, second round pick in 2020. Owen Casey, Canadian prep outfielder, and another guy with a great frame, 6'4", 190. You watch Casey. You know, he's a left-handed bat, huge raw power. It's hard to like look at him and not at least have the name Joey Gallo, just at least like inching its way into the back of your mind. Like The amount of raw power Casey has, and he's he just turned 19 back in early July, is ridiculous. So he already has six home runs in his first 27 games. In the complex league, 352, 491, 637 slash with a ridiculously high walk rate as well, 20.7%. Yeah, the strike rate is a little higher, but not anything that I'm concerned about right now. Uh, it's still under 30%, but he has just the loft in his swing. And you figured like he might have a longer swing because he's going to have the big, longer leverage, but he really doesn't. Like, you watch him, his hands are quick to the ball. Nice, slight uppercut swing path gets that good loft to this to a swing. Can really drive the ball in the air to all fields, he's, and he's pretty athletic too. Like he's not just this power only guy. He's shown solid enough contact skills. He's shown some good speed as well. I think he maybe he's only a fifty runner long term. Maybe even a tick below. We'll see how the frame fills out. But not a zero in speed. Can hit for a solid average. Has shown a great, um, great patience. Granted, it is the rookie level, so you see a lot of higher walk rates down there. But definitely love what I've seen so far with Owen Casey. So he's top 100 for me right now. Like I'm getting pretty aggressive on these Cubs guys because the Cubs also have pretty damn good track record here of um, developing bats. Like we've, we've seen it time and time again over the last decade. So he's a good getting a good org for developing bats. Love the power. I think he could be a great one. And then Kevin Alcantara too. Like they got from the Yankees. Like they've just been getting all these upside guys that we mentioned. Alcantara might not have the power of Owen Casey, but he's got a above average power speed blend could be plus power in time. Now the hit tool is the question with him, but he's showing well at the complex level as well. So Casey and Alcantara are two guys I am definitely targeting right now. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on them? And, and then get into another guy here from uh, your Atlanta Braves. Jesse Franklin has been tearing the cover off the ball this season. 
Yeah, they're all intriguing. Uh, I was a little lower on Casey like prior to this year, but you know, watching him, I do think there's that potential. Like you said, he's got a big uppercut swing, generates a lot of power, hits the ball extremely hard. So yeah, I'm definitely a fan of what he's done, and the hit tools showed to be pretty solid this year. It might a short sample, but yeah, Franklin, I like Franklin a lot. The biggest concern with him is just the contact rates and the strikeout rate. You know, I mean, the power speed, kind of undeniable. 21 home runs, 15 stolen bases. Pretty impressive. And he is 22 at high A, but but still, you know, just a 316 OBP, 246 average. So those are kind of meh, but the power speed is legit. And I don't know. I, I kind of wonder, like, what he could develop into. Like, where does the hit tool actually get to? Right now, I mean, 27% K rate, walk rate of 8.7%. I kind of wonder, like, where he settles in it. So yeah, like to an extent he's moving up and I'm buying, but there's still those concerns with him. And I guess there's concerns with, with all these guys to an extent because you know, the lack of track record and you know, we don't know where the end result is, but yeah, I think that, you know, the power speed here is pretty intriguing. I do think the speed kind of tapers off with time for Franklin. You know, he runs well for his size. He's a bigger boy at six one two fifteen, but he does move pretty well for his size. I do think he's just an average runner at peak for him. I do think the power is probably above average and he's shown probably even better power than that in the minors. So yeah, I'm a fan of all these guys. And like I said, I think they're all capable of turning into solid prospects. Definitely agree. And then last but not least here, Josh Lowe, and he's the highest ranked of these guys of the, the outfielders here. He's legit. Like I I've been pumping up Josh Lowe for a while. You look at what he's done in triple a 80 games this year. 276, 356, 534 slash 17 home runs, 19 steals has not been caught yet. And then 21 doubles and 337 plate appearances. You know, the kind of knock on him was, you know, the hit tool kind of wasn't there. And it's still, I'd say 50 grade at best, but this is a guy that's shown that he can walk. He has a walk rate well above 10% for his career. It's been above 10% basically at every level, except for in 2017. Uh, when he was in the low A Midwest League, but walks well. Power has come along finally as well. That started to come along in 2019 when he had 18 home runs in 121 games in the Double A Southern League. He showed well in the Arizona Fall League while he was out there. You know, 327 average in 15 games out there. So maybe he's not more than a eh, 260 hitter or so, but a guy that could be you know 15 to 20 home runs, 20 plus steals. I think he's going to be a guy that could hit, you know, I don't think he's a middle of the order bat, but maybe he he looks like a good number five hitter or so. Um, So very, very high on Josh Lowe. What what are your thoughts on Josh Lowe? Yeah, he's one I've always been really high on. I mean, you know, I generally look at stuff from OBP perspective, so that definitely helps his case. I think the hit tools improved some this year. Like you mentioned, that was kind of a question mark, but he's shown to be pretty solid. I think he should have got a shot already. With the, with the big league club, but again, just the raise. So, you know, who knows where he settles in and what he looks like, where his role looks like. But, yeah, I think that the power speed are both plus, in my opinion. So he kind of makes up for the hit tool a little bit with that. And OBP League, I think he's a top 25 guy in OBP Leagues because I think he's that good with at least the power speed combo. Yep, and you look at, you know, he's well above 350 for his career. He's basically been 340-ish or above OBP every year, except for 2017 when he was at um, the 320. So definitely a very good all-around asset that just doesn't get nearly as much love. Like Even now, when he's having a very good year, knocking on the door to the major league, still isn't getting that much love. So go out there and show 
Josh Lowe some love. He's he's a bona fide fantasy, you know, really good above average fantasy player in the making here. Um, let's move on to the pitchers here before we get out of the show. So we'll start with the the bigger names here. Probably the two biggest names we have on the list right now: Nick Lodolo, Cole Wynn. Lodolo has struggled a little bit in his two outings since being promoted to AAA, but that's only five and two thirds innings total. So not really worried about that at all. Even even with that, he has a 2.36 ERA, 0.99 WHIP this year, 11 walks to 75 strikeouts in 49 and two thirds innings over 12 starts. Obviously, most of that down at the AA level in Chattanooga. You know, this is a guy he can miss bats. He's always been a above average to plus command and control guy. I think you know he's in Cincinnati as well. They have a you know a good pitching development organization there that always helps. Yeah, ballpark might not be the greatest for him, but it's not, he's not a guy that's ever given up a ton of home runs. Like for his career in the minor leagues, in sixty-eight innings, he's only given up four home runs. So I don't think giving up too many home runs at that ballpark will be an issue, like it is for like a Tyler Molly who gives up. Look at look at Tyler Molly's home road splits because he's a more of a fly ball pitcher and they're ridiculous i think his era is above five at home below two in the road but lodolo just has all the makings of a guy that can be a top you know 30 or so fantasy pitcher long term you know what are your thoughts here on nick lodolo chris yeah the floor is extremely high you know because great command control and then the strikeouts are there like you know he doesn't really get the love that george kirby does but I think they're similar profile to an extent without, I mean, I Kirby obviously has better fastball and a better all around arsenal, but you look at the numbers and, and Lodolo runs high strikeout rates and the walk rates are extremely low. I do think Kirby's better, but I think Lodolo's really good and just doesn't get the love that he deserves. And I think the concerns are legitimate about pitching in great American ballpark, but you know, even still, I think that he can be extremely good. And like you said, I think the floor with the upside keeps him like a top 30 arm long-term. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned the high floor, and that's kind of what he's known for. But the fact that he's not just a floor guy anymore, and he's got some pretty good upside as well. I think this is the no doubt top ten overall fantasy arm or fantasy, uh, pitching prospect, I should say, um, with significant upside to go along with the high floor. So those are the guys you really like. The high floor guys also have a pretty high upside as well. Uh, so the other names on our list here. Uh, Cole Wynn, as I mentioned, Ryan Pepio, who I've talked about a good amount, Josh Winder, Carmen Machinsky, Taj Bradley, Peyton Battenfield, and Dax Fulton. Uh, Chris, pick a pick a couple of names of these guys. I know, I know you're a big Peyton Battenfield guy. We talked about that before. But who are a couple of these guys that you're just really, really excited about? Yeah, all these arms have been excited. Um, Taj Bradley's one that you know I've I thought had the upside prior to this year and. You know, he's been pretty impressive, and you know, I'll kind of run with him for a minute. Um, when you look at the arm in general, he's he's young, you know, just turned 20 right before the season. A big fastball, good slider. So, those two pitch, I think that was the question mark. He's just a two pitch guy and potentially a bullpen guy because the command, the changeup kind of being the question mark. But you know, he's kind of put some of that past him this year, been extremely solid. You know, he's recently promoted to high A, just 10 innings there, but the 10 inning sample has been good with a 3.6 ERA. Strikeout rate still at 30%. We'll all create at 7.5%, right in line with what he did in low A. You know, 62 innings, he ran a 1.76 ERA and a 0.86 whip. 
walk rate is 8%, 32.5% strikeout rate. I think the Arsenal is legit. I think those three pitches are really good. And I think that the command is, you know, improving. And we're kind of seeing that with the numbers. And I think, you know, the walk rate is improved. And also, you know, commanding his pitches a little better and is seeing better results in general. So, yeah, Bradley's one. Don't really need to hit on Battenfield. I think we talked about him a little last time. But, yeah, I'm high on him, probably higher than most. I know you like Colwyn a lot, so I'll kind of skip him. Uh, Carmen Majitsky, you know, I saw him a lot here. He went to University of South Carolina. And, you know, I, I kind of wondered what he would be like as a professional arm. I wasn't really sure. And, you know, he's been good. He's been injured. So we haven't seen a ton from him. But 43 innings, he's he's been pretty stellar, you know, with high Pittsburgh at 251 ERA, a 1-0 whip, 33% K rate, walk rate at 9%. It's a little high, but you can live in that area. This swinging strike rate has been pretty impressive at 17 or 17.7%. That's pretty stellar, in my opinion. You know, he's got a good arsenal of four pitches with a fastball, slider. There's a cutter in there and then change up. Changeup's probably the most lagging of the pitches, but I think it's coming around, and I think the command's solid as well. So Majiski kind of doesn't really get the love that he deserves, and I think he can be a solid arm, like, you know, solid SP3 or 4. Not a super high ceiling, but I do think he's a solid floor that could be a solid arm, you know, at the big league level. Yeah, and I'll, I'll hit on Cole Wynn here. Like you mentioned, I'm pretty high on Cole Wynn. I've always been high on Cole Wynn. Even back to the, you know, when he was drafted, you know, in my FYPD rankings after he was drafted, he was my number two arm from that draft class behind Casey Mize. And that was a pretty good draft class pitching wise. And I had Colwyn, a prep arm from California as my number two. And yeah, it's taken a little bit longer than, you know, I would hope and many of us would hope for him to kind of hit his stride. But, you know, he really has this year uh, in double A 257 ERA and a 0.83 whip over 16 starts and 70 innings, K rate above 30%, walk rate below 10%. You know, he kind of had some issues, command and control over 2019 and, and 2020 at the alt site. Um, you know, there's, there's some mechanical issues there as well, but those are all pretty much behind him. Like I, like I mentioned in my article where I mentioned him as, as a pitching project on the rise, I'm a, I feel comfortable slapping like a 50 grade on both this command and control. So still not great, but definitely good enough. Um, and this he's got a really, really good arsenal that's really been overpowering. Plus fastball, sits in the 90s, can get up in the upper 90s. Good finishing life on that. Big curveball, but it's a plus curveball with a lot of depth to it. Also mixes in the slider and a changeup, which are, I think, at least average offerings, both of which you know can flash above average in any given start. So this is a really good four-pitch mix with really, really good two-pitch combo there with that fastball curveball. And Texas has become, you know, a more of a pitching park over the last, you know, five years or so. so that's something that gives me some more confidence as well. So definitely one on the rise here. He's, he's in my top 100 now, and so is Ryan Pepio. Like, the upside might not be quite as high on Pepio, but there's a good mid-90s fastball there, really good changeup. Uh, he's kind of like similar to a Jackson core, but I think a bit better where it's fastball, really good change up, you know, the breaking ball kind of lags behind, but I think he's got at least an average breaking ball. Um, so, and he's in the Dodgers. Like we've talked about that before, how this one of the top notch orgs in baseball. That's why, you know, another guy that kind of was on the rise, Lyndon knack from that org. Uh, he's got a ridiculous strikeout the walk ratio right now. One of the best in the minor leagues. 
So those are that's another guy I like. And then Dax Fulton, you talk about like projection here. Dax Fulton, six seven lefty. If you, first off, you love you hear that term six seven lefty or whatever six eight lefty. You know, Dax Fulton is all about projection here. Good fastball that can even I think there's he's still got a lot of projection on his frame. So he's a guy that I think can tick up and maybe, you know, he's still very young too. Like uh, he's still only 20 years old. So I think this is a guy that could be a, um, excuse me, he's not even 20 yet. He'll be 20 in a couple months in October. Um, but I think there's still some projection there. Not a ton. He's already 225, not a ton, but it looks like a skinnier 225. But if he adds more bulk a little bit, you know, I think he can be a guy that sits like 96, 97 and can touch the upper registers. He's got a big breaking ball. You know, his last few starts, he's been absolutely dominant, basically not allowing any contact at all. You know, Double-digit strikeouts in each of the last two outings here. So he's really finding his groove now. Assuming he only had eight strikeouts his last start, but still, last two starts combined, 10 innings, one hit in each, zero walks, 18K. So he's really finding his footing there. Stuff is very good, like I mentioned. This could be a, I don't know if I want to go as high as a number two starter, but maybe a number three starter with a lot of strikeouts. This could be an elite strikeout arm with the stuff he has, you know, with a big, you know, fastball curveball from the left side. So really like, and again, he's in Miami. We feel like we talk about more Miami arms every week. It's just an embarrassment of riches there. So another one here that you can probably, since the, you look at the overall numbers and, you know, the, the ERA and whip right now, so that 430 and 136 respectively. So you kind of look at those and like, meh. But at the same time, like just look at Dax Fulton pitch, and it's easy to see that this is an arm squarely on the rise here. So definitely go out and target Dax Fulton while you can. I think his price tag is going to go way up here moving forward. Any other names here you wanted to hit on, Chris, before we get out of here? I think that looks good. I think we hit on plenty. Yeah, a lot of good names here. We hope everyone enjoyed it. That is going to wrap us up here. Thank you to everyone for listening again this week. We hope everyone enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Aircross04. Chris is at RotoClegg. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And, of course, check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com or over on our Patreon. Make sure to tune in again next week for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care.